Welcome to the Fizzle Show! This is the Fizzle Show, a weekly talk show for those who want to do great work, dent the universe, and support yourself doing something that you care about. Your hosts are Chase, Corbett, Barrett, and Steph. We run Fizzle.co, training courses and community support to help you run a small business. Try your first five weeks for free on us when you go to fizzle.co slash try five. Okay, in this episode, it's kind of a special one. We each found some links that have meant something to us in the past few weeks. And on this show, we share them with you and sort of talk them through. Um, You'll be able to find a link to each one of the things that we talk about at fizzleshow.co slash 151. So you don't have to take any notes or anything like that. It's all there. I'll be back after this conversation to fill in any gaps. So let's get into it. I'm Chase Reeves. I'm Corbett Barr. I'm Barrett Brooks. I'm Steph Crowder. And this is the Fizzle Show. Show. Okay, we're, we're going to work on that last bit. We're trying real hard, you guys. I like that. I forgot the line. I the lines. <laughs> it was a long line. So, so the first thing that I want to share today is is a is a video called The Winnebago Man. <laughs> because oh, God, that was so good. I, I don't know. <laughs> Wasn't that amazing, Corbett? Oh, I couldn't Here's stop. the thing. It's a big, I didn't think it was real for a while because it seems like so it was, good. <laughs> it's a it's video that's so good. It's a YouTube video of a guy of an of a gentleman just trying to get through like a promotional video script. I wouldn't call mm-hmm. him a gentleman. He's <laughs> <laughs> not much of a gentleman, but it's amazing. It's so good because uh, <laughs> because if anybody if you've ever tried to film a video, if you've ever tried to like turn on the camera and just like talk to the camera and like land a script to the camera you know what this guy's feeling and he's just he's just so close to the surface he doesn't even know what to do yeah he does like all you hear is, is him just just getting pissed off about stuff hey terry you know what i'd like you to do probably want me to leave boss yeah i'd like you to leave do me a kindness do me a kindness and get the hell out of here it's amazing. So I'm going to put that in the show notes for this episode. There's going to be probably a handful of videos that I'll be adding to the show notes. Yeah, and um, warning, uh, it's NSFW. Yeah, it's NSFW, and you'll have to look that up mm-hmm. in the dictionary. But the news is, I'm in Chicago with Steph Woo-hoo! in her office, which is also my bedroom. Chase's room. For a few days. Mm-hmm. And we, I came out here with a, a backpack full of gear. To do what, Steph? We just recorded a brand new course for Fizzle. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. Get excited. Yeah. We, uh, we're talking about customer conversations. Mm. So interviewing your customers to in order to research um, what their problems are and form your business ideas with a better sense of what's actually going on mm. with the people that you're trying to serve. So we spent all day long yesterday doing it. Chase yep. is a really great coach, wonderful director. Yep. And, I am. Uh, it was- and she is a great talent. The thing is, as we were, we were filming this course with Steph uh, here in Chicago, and 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 she she didn't go into this Winnebago man mode, which has happened before. I've seen people go into Winnebago. I most of the time I go into Winnebago mode. It's how I feel in my head. Yeah, it's really I don't. I mean, it's really kind of crazy making when you're filming a video, you're trying to deliver a script to the camera, and you just sit there and go like, "What the hell am I trying to say? Yeah, like why can't it come out of my mouth?" What's going on? Damn flies everywhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? You just start freaking out. So I, I, Steph showed me that after, like right after we finished filming and it was perfect. And also on that note, um, 
Instagram has allowed now you to have multiple accounts, which yep. means I can update our Fizzle Instagram account and have been doing so with little like videos uh, as we've been recording the courses. So our Instagram account is Team Fizzle, and I'll put that in the show notes as well. If you want to, we'll be all now able to add little bits and pieces as we, uh, you know, are making things behind the scene. Maybe we can make that a little bit of like behind the scenes of Fizzle sort of thing. I'd like that to happen anyways. That's my take. That one's a really big deal. There's a lot of people out there who are managing multiple accounts for yeah. clients and also for their personal and for their own brand. So that was kind of long overdue on Instagram's part. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so yeah, so Instagram, we have added, uh, we've added a few videos there. It's been really fun for to to see some people commenting on that and talking about things as we show up behind the scene. We actually filmed, uh, I filmed Steph recording her last line of the course. That was a lot of pressure. That was like double, a lot of pressure. double recording. Yeah. DP, double <laughs> pressure. And it was because you're recording for the thing and then you're also re- getting recorded for the Instagram. So, whew. She nailed it though. Was, yeah, she did. She like, nailed it. a little it. wink at the camera afterwards. Oh, yeah. She totally did. <laughs> Thanks, we, in fact, did right you wink at both cameras? <laughs> yeah, I, I actually had anxiety about that. I was like, where am I supposed to look? I'll be honest. After we recorded, she was like, did I did I do that okay to the camera? And I was, I was like... To the real camera? See, I don't know. I wasn't looking. And, and that was after we had like torn down all the cameras and lights and stuff. So I was like, okay. Yeah. All right. And then the other thing... Actually, we'll, we'll save the other thing that you've got me into for later. Let, let's, Steph, do you have something to share for, for your things? I do. And, uh, you know, this one is a little bit thematic just because Chase is in town. So... A lot of people probably know if you listen to the show and you know about Chase Reeves, you know, he really likes espresso. So with Chase coming to town, I felt a lot of pressure to find a really good place to take to take Chase for his morning spro, if you will. Mm. So um, for any of my Chicagoans, you have to check out this place called Ipsento Coffee. Mm. It was so great. And for even if you're not in Chicago and you're like, I don't care about that. This latte that I tried there has changed my life. It's coconut milk and whole milk, honey, and cayenne pepper. Yeah, with and a shot of espresso with, and, or, yes. or, or, you know, decaf. This, or exactly. And it was just, it's just so delightful. Un- it was unbelievable. Like, it, I'm not a latte guy, but it was just, it, the honey was really sweet, almost too sweet. But then the cayenne pepper was like this nice, like, foodie kind of pepper on the top of the thing. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yep. Very good. So, so we've learned about that kind of latte. So get into that if it sounds in good. In fact, as soon as I had my first sip, I texted my friend who has a couple of cafes in Portland. I was like, okay, honey, <laughs> cayenne. Coconut milk. Coconut milk. Yep. And a latte. Mm-hmm. It's happening in Chicago. I'm telling you, you could bring this to Portland right now. Yep. So if you're local to Chicago, Ipsento Coffee in Logan Square, it's real It's real good. Mm. Big time. All right, Barrett, what do you got over there for some for some stuff to, to share? I gotta be events? honest, I was racking my brain and like, I don't know if I'm boring lately or what, but the thing... <laughs> <laughs> that's been most occupying my mind lately is the presidential primaries. And I am, Ooh. I love politics. Like it's yeah. fun to me. I love paying attention to it. I'm the nerd who goes and reads up on everyone's policy proposals and like takes notes on what I agree with, what I don't agree with and what I don't care about on each of them. So I've been having an absolute blast with this. I'm a little terrified of it just based on how things are going, but uh, I've been loving the whole process and like being an adult and being aware of all of the trends and all of the policy proposals that are behind the BS statements that they're making publicly. It's been a lot of fun. I'd love to hear from some of our uh, listeners who are outside of the U.S., like how much of the election they're hearing Mm. about and how terrified they are. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Can we imagine? Totally. 
Yeah. So if you are if you are in, in Europe or South America or literally anywhere else besides the United States, even Canada, Canada loves to watch the U.S. election stuff. They actually hate it because they feel it. They feel it hard. And uh, they, because it's just like it feels like more like important to them Too close than to it home. is to most people in America. So, um, but if you're, if you're out of, out of the U S I would love to hear in the comments of this episode, what, like what kind of coverage you, you guys see or, or, and what it feels like out there. You can find show notes for this episode at fizzleshow.co slash one fifty one. And with that, Corbett, what do you got to share, man? Ooh, I feel like I'm taking a, this is like a high draft position here. Cause I could pull something that you guys might have on your list. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, all right, let's do, I, I got something for everybody here, which is Facebook. I don't know if you guys saw, mm. but it just added more reactions than just like now you can now, there are six choices. So if you mm. go to click like or hover over it, you'll see six options now. You can either like, love, ha-ha, wow, sad, or angry a post. I'm really upset about this. I <laughs> have to just jump right in. You're angry facing this. Oh, I you love know, reactions in Slack, though. I just love that Slack is driving Facebook's product decisions. That's yeah. true. But it's the thing, true. so what he's talking about is in Slack, you can ma- write a message, and then instead of responding to it, I can like just add a little like emoji yep. to it. And what's great about that is there's like however many emoji, like a bunch of random emoji. Like I just add surfer guy to that. Chase like, paints what the hell does his nails so much in emojis. <laughs> yeah. I paint my nails. It's I just true. add like hammers to things. But what makes you angry about <laughs> so it? So I don't mind the emoji reactions because we do that in Slack. I think that works. But the, this like choice between like and love, yeah. and it's really going to mess me oh, up. Yeah, no, no, no. There's like a lot of social pressure. You know, because it's like, okay, so like this person liked it, but they didn't love it. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like if I'm looking at somebody's thing and it's like, do I love this or... Do I just kind of like it? Yeah. Isn't that kind of weird? Maybe, I'll tell you what, maybe let your love you, be love and let your like be like. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's yeah. how that's how Jesus put it. Maybe it'll help you develop emotional intelligence, you know? Yeah. I guess. Get that EQ and, you know. The, the, what am I really feeling right now? Oh, looking into your intuition there. Mm-hmm. Huh? Which brings me mm. to uh, to another little bit of, of current event. Well, actually, Corbett, are, are, anything else to add on, on Facebook? What do you, what's your big uh, prediction about <laughs> Not, this? I mean, it's just, I think we talked about this on our last <laughs> current event show. I think Steph brought it up, maybe. Uh, yeah. It was like a big deal. They were talking about adding it was. Like a, a dislike button or something. And I yeah. guess they decided they needed more than just dislike. So if you dislike something now, I guess you just have to either be sad or angry about it. Well, what, that's what I like about it, is, right? Mm-hmm. Dislike and like can be interpreted like just, it's just so broad. And now like, you know, you can add a happy face or an angry face or like a, or whatever. I don't know what, does it have a sad face too? Yeah, there's a yeah. crying face. Yeah, I mean the like little empathy, crying, sad face. Like, yeah, that's going to go, that's going to come in handy. You were going to talk about another new thing that's happening. Someone you spent time with. Yeah, so someone I sent so that Barrett, Barrett triggered me with, uh, with his talk of, of being a, uh, very intuitive, intelligent. emotionally intelligent, t- tapping into his intuition. For those of you who are in Fizzle and made it to Fizzle Friday last week, mm-hmm. which if if you don't know, every Friday in Fizzle, we have a group coaching call and anybody that can make it can join. Um, and every month we have kind of a special one. It's much bigger. Um, there's more people who attend and then all of us are, are there, Corbett, Barrett, Steph, and myself. And so last week, on Friday, what happened is we had a special guest in the studio because we were recording a founder story with her. Her name is Jess Lively. And if you don't know her, you will know about her because she's just, I just think she's fabulous. And she's just, she's got a big podcast. She's growing. Steph, tell us, tell us about Jess Lively and why, why maybe some people should, should check out her podcast. Like who it's really 
Like what, what, what you get, what you love about it. Yeah. So I've been listening to Jess's show for a long time. I think since she launched it actually. And uh, Jess used to live in Chicago and we have a couple mutual friends. So I've um, had the chance to chat with her a couple times. She's a delightful person and also just super talented. Jess is all about the difference between the ego and the intuition and just kind of separating the two and understanding which voice in your mind is the ego-based voice and which voice is kind of like that intuitive inner voice that's trying to guide you to the things that are really going to be most meaningful in your life. So Jess does a lot of work around that. She has a big workshop that she does called Life with Intention Online. And um, she has this great podcast where Mm. she talks to different guests. Um, Corbett's been on the show before. And she talks to them about their own path with ego and intuition. But she's had some amazing guests. I know Brene Brown was just on the show. She's had Elizabeth Gilbert. She's had Pat Flynn. Mm -hmm. And um, just a a variety of conversations about different topics that kind of revolve around this this difference between ego and intuition. So it's a very great, it's a very, very good show. And uh, one that I I listen to regularly. Highly recommend. Really loved. Uh, Barrett interviewed her for the the Founder Story. Barrett, what what was that like? It was great. I really enjoyed it. Being in that seat, back in the interviewer seat, it's been a while since I did any kind of long form interviewing, and I feel like we got into a lot of good details that were both business related and personal to Jess. And I think people are going to like it. It was a long one, you know, it was probably closer to an hour and a half than an hour, but I think we got a lot of good stuff out of it. Yeah, I thought it, I thought it was awesome. Um, and most of our founder stories end up being about that long. I think mm-hmm. probably. Uh, but if you don't know, founder stories are this sort of like supplement inside of Fizzle where we have all these training courses. But we also, whenever we get a chance, we, we've made quite a bit of friends in the, it, who are doing just really interesting, creative businesses all around the different kinds of things. And so when we can, we schedule interviews with them, full on multiple camera video, um, and normally sort of a little bit cocktail infused or, or there's some beverage involved normally. And, um, and they're great, just long form, in-depth, personal conversations about how they got started, what they wish they would have known. I think they're really great. I always love learning from from those sorts of things. So we're pumped to to release a new one with Jess Lively, and it was blast getting to know her. If you haven't listened to her show, go check it out. I think it's awesome. <laughs> we got to have dinner with her and uh, John and Dana Schultz from Minimalist Baker, and uh, and then my mom, Lindy Reeves, and my my <laughs> wife and my son and Barrett. And uh, we, we got into so many great conversations oh, about, I'm about really jealous. Uh, you know, optimizing your life based on your hormone cycle. Yeah. Uh, oh, I know. I know all about that. That was a fascinating topic. Yeah. That was one of my favorite episodes. Yeah. Jess. Which is, what's her name? Elisa Vitti. Elisa Vitti. Yep. And she is just like, I can't wait. I have it. I have that on my huff stuff where I'm going to be listening to that. Yep. I'm going to be listening to a handful uh, of them because I just really liked Jess. I, did, I wasn't too familiar with her, but, but uh, I think her ideas are awesome. Okay, moving on. Um, I am going to, to go next, and here's what I have. Okay, what, here's here's a uh, a cool thing. It's my iPad Pro with the Apple Pencil. Now, before you I go, I love your iPad Pro. You love my iPad Pro? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, I gotta bro. say, I gotta say as well, Chase. I was skeptical when you're like raving about yep. it before you even had it, but now that I see the results, I'm pretty. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Yeah. Too. I tried to convince Corbett to make it a business expense, <laughs> and it didn't work. He was like, uh, "No, <laughs> like, what do you, what do you, like, yeah, we'll see what happens when you get it." But that, yeah, and I had the same exact doubts. I was like, "I don't know. It's an iPad. I've never been an iPad guy. I've never taken like iPads around with me. I'm like, I've got a phone and I've got a computer. Like that's what I that's what I need." But there was something that was really getting me about this idea of drawing on the tablet, having that pencil 
that that everybody was raving about, like the weight, the responsiveness of the pencil. And so I was like, well, screw it. I'm going to try it. I'm just going to try it. Like I'm, I did it as a gift for myself and I did it. And uh, I had it for a while before the pencil came. And I was like, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's fun to watch YouTube on. I do my 30 minutes, 30 days of yoga with Adrian on that when I do YouTube. But uh, I was like, yeah, it's, uh, it's just all right. I don't know. Then the Apple Pencil came <laughs> and everything changed. Like I'm so inspired by this tool. There, when you're when you're creating things, when you're drawing, when you're painting, when you're doing all this stuff, there's like a dialogue that happens with like the paintbrush, with the way that the paint falls on the page, with the way that the paper sort of crumples or doesn't, with all of this stuff. It's a dialogue and it's inspiring, and you kind of move with it. You, you like the paintbrush affects what the final result is, and I get a lot of that feeling from the iPad Pro with the pencil and the different apps that I use with it. So all of that to say, you might notice uh, that our some of our I've been trying to sort of like do more, sort of I don't know uh, illustration type stuff for our uh, our post images for the Sparkline. So the last few uh, blog posts that we've written have had those kinds of images on top. And Barrett, you just wrote a post today. What w- what was your post about? Uh, it was about just in time learning as kind of a method for making progress in your business because we know so many people get weighed down by learning, 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 learning. And then eventually they like quit fizzle and they quit everything. And they just say, I got to, I got to focus on taking action. The only way yeah. to do that is to quit everything. So now this is a big, this is a big deal though. Like what you just said, like the, I have to focus on taking action instead of learning. Cause what you, you do in this article is you set up this concept that we love just in time learning and compare it to what did you call the other one? Just in case learning. Oh, see, that's so good. So good. Yeah. Just in case learning. What's that? Uh, it's basically what most of us do, where we order 100 books and we sign up for 100 courses on Linda or Creative Live or whatever, or Fizzle, and yeah. then we just learn constantly and we never really look up to say, okay, why am I doing this? Like, what is mm. this going to result in? What goal is this moving me towards? And sometimes that's okay. Like when you're in college, the whole point is just to be there and learn, to learn concepts, to hopefully gather some tools that you'll use later. But when you're starting a business, I think the hardest thing to do is to make forward progress, you know, move the needle every week. And when you're learning all the time, it's really hard to actually get things done. Mm, Yeah. So just in case versus just in time learning, check that out uh, on the blog. We'll put that in the show notes. It's one of our recent blog posts. And, um, and the show, the, whatever the, the image that I made on the top of that was just sketched out in my iPad pro. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then I brought it into Photoshop to add the typography to it. But, um, this kind of goes, correlates with, with, uh, I watched a documentary called, this is not one of my one cool things for today. Hey, wait, hold on. Hold on. I'm just slipping it in. I'm just (laughs) slipping it in. This is a not cool thing. This is a, this is a, yeah, it's a, a cool, it's a, but it's not my cool thing. I'm using it. I'm using it as a, as a part of my existing one. But anyways, the, the, <laughs> the, there's this, there's a children's artist called Tommy Ungerer. There's a, a Netflix documentary about him, which was awesome. So he's basically just a poster artist. And he just, just watching that got me into the mode of like thinking through ideas as sketches. So I started doing that. And I realized that like, when you just start going, like say there's like, um, there's like a concept that you have in your head that you want to teach. Having customer conversations for, is one. Like, um, this is how I might start developing that course or or something a blog post around that. Is I just I just write that down on the top left of a note sheet in my iPad Pro, and I just start like kind of like I'll like try to do like little typography versions of it, drawing it, sort of the words pretty. And then I'll think of concepts, images, you know, conversation. I think of the conversation bubble, and I draw that, and then I start to think of 
like other ways to go like, well, what's the emotion in this thing? And I would go like the conversation bubble could have things like anxious, like nervous, like what do I say? Like all of these kinds of things. And then, you, you know, you can kind of get into the more of the emotion of the idea. So sketching instead of writing is something that I've never really spent time doing. Uh, and there's a famous quote from somebody that says like, I haven't thought about it if I haven't sketched it. Mm-hmm. And and so the, that whole thing of thinking more visually, allowing myself to think in those terms, seeing if I come up against uh, into new idea territory that way has been has been really fun for me. And the iPad Pro sort of enabled that because sometimes, you know, when you like want to run and you don't go running and then you're like, well, maybe if I buy some new tights, maybe if I get some new shoes, mm-hmm. maybe if I, I don't know, get a new running jacket, get some good gear, then I might be inspired to go. And that's happened for me a few times. And this is this has been the case with the iPad Pro. And so now it's fully, completely replaced an actual physical notebook in my bag. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see how long it lasts, but I've been doing this for about a month and I'm loving it. So It was really cool working with Chase this morning to watch him. So the post that he's talking about that Barrett wrote, which by the way is a great post, uh, it was really fun to see Chase create the image because he was just like, literally just like doodling, I thought, on this mm-hmm. iPad. And he's like, hey, which one of these do you like? And I told him and then, you know, maybe 30 minutes later, it's like yeah. on our website. I was like, what happened? <laughs> it was so cool. Yeah. I mean, just watching that process from an, like an observer's point of view is amazing. Yeah, it's really, really cool. I don't have any training as an artist. Corbett's wife's a fine artist. And every time I get a chance, I kind of like pick her brain about what tools you use when. And like, you know, there's different kinds of pencils, different kinds of chalks and different kind of all this stuff. And I get to kind of have a little bit of access to those. It's not the same thing, but there's just all these different apps and all these different kinds of brushes and tools I can use that, that are really fun to fiddle around with. I'm a fan. So I that's think it's me. pretty awesome. It's, at least from my perspective, it's turned like the act of creating a picture for a post from a huge chore to just a thing you get to sketch out real quick. Oh man, totally. Because like these one, these last ones of the illustrations are really fun and they're, they're, they're way more on the on the nose or, or closer to the target than, than a stock image that I've found, you know? Right. Yeah. Cool. So Barrett, what else you got to, to bring? What else I got to bring? Um, I haven't read it yet, but I'm really excited about a new book by one of my favorite authors. Adam Are we Grant. allowed to do books that we haven't read yet? Is that Corbett? Is that I'm, I'm going to check. I'm going <laughs> to, there's a foul on the field. We're going to re- we're going to review there's, the play. No, no, no. There's no foul chase. Uh, you have a moratorium on doing that for the next six months. <laughs> Barrett is allowed uh, this once and we'll judge the next time it happens separately. Right, that's fair. All right, so Originals is by Adam Grant and he's one of my favorite authors. He's a researcher. He's one of the most uh, peer-reviewed published uh, researchers in academia for his age. He's like 34, I think, at this what point. What does that mean, been... peer-review published? So basically you end up getting published in research journals which are okay. peer-reviewed and you know there's a lot of hoopla over whether they're actually useful or not right now but got it so it's like the highbrow of publications exactly they're like the the fancy people read this stuff and, and so like a, this know. is his second book he wrote a first one called give and take about building relationships and the different styles people use to build relationships and it was amazing and this one is his second effort about um he calls it how nonconformists move the world and he uses a lot of anecdotes about people who did un- took unconventional paths to accomplishing whatever they accomplished. So like one of the examples he gives in the pitch for it is an entrepreneur who pitches his startups by highlighting the reasons not to invest. And so just stories like that about being an original and not being scared to take a different path than most others. And I think it'll most likely be fairly relevant to almost all of our audience who are looking at starting a company, even when other people might think it's crazy. Mm, I love that. 
That's awesome. So so this just came out? Just came out. So what what's the name of the book? Is it How Nonconformists Move the World? It's Originals. Oh, and got then it. the like subtitle is got How it. Nonconformists Move the World. It's funny. You know, he didn't get in touch with me to to use me as an example in the book. I'll have to <laughs> just see. He must have forgot. Invitation must have gotten oh, lost sure in the mail. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Jace, tell me how you're an original. Uh, I have a mustache. <laughs> Wait, look around you. Uh, every dirtbag in Portland has a mustache. <laughs> yeah, but mine has a little thing. Like but a when I go finger. to Chicago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's funny. I get respect in coffee shops when I come oh, around yeah. here. That's right. They're like, uh, yeah, what would you like? Okay, hold on. That one didn't pull good. Let me, let me get you another one, sir. I'm so sorry about this. <laughs> it's pretty it's great. Okay, Barrett, now have, now you've been doing a lot of skiing, too. Yes. Is that like that? You Have you ever done as much skiing in your life regularly as you're doing right now? No, I'm pretty obsessed with it right now. It's This is the first time I've ever lived close enough to skiing to let it be a regular thing. And I've mm. basically been going once or twice a week, uh, since the beginning of January, which has been what's been the awesome. impact on that with your like with your with work for you? Do you find yourself like doing work differently or being in a different mindset when you know like hey I'm going to go skiing tomorrow or or something like that? Yeah, I definitely have more incentive to get the work done faster. I think uh, the quality hasn't changed. I don't think my output has changed too much. My stress levels have changed dramatically. That's for sure. Mm. I also have less interesting things to share on the current events episode, so that probably means I'm not wasting so much time. Just like I couldn't help but notice the high correlation between skiing and not having awesome stuff to say. <laughs> but the life experience has been wonderful. Oh, I like that. So cool, uh, Steph. Do you have another thing to share? I do. So everybody on this podcast knows that I love a good productivity tool. Oh. Right. <laughs> so, Mama loves a good productivity she does. tool. That she does. <laughs> so um, I recently on a po- uh, one of our episodes, I was talking about the, the physical paper planner that I use. And I actually heard from a few people who were like, hey, thanks for telling us about what planner you use. Yeah. Uh, people seem to kind of like it. So I wanted to talk about another thing that I use that I did not get to mention. So there is this resource called and we'll have a link to this in the show notes called Power Sheets. And they're from um, someone named Lara Casey. Lara Casey Power Sheets. Power Sheets. Wow. Yep. And they're they are so cool. So we recently in a podcast episode, it was episode 140, we talked about how to create your own definition of success. Mm. So that was fizzleshow.co slash 140. Mm. And we talked a lot about goal setting in that yeah. episode. I think Barrett broke down some processes that he uses in order to set goals. This is what power sheets are for. So I actually have the 12 month version. I think that's sold out. There's a six month version you can get. I've used that as well. This has been, I mean, honestly, I don't even use this term lightly. It's been life-changing for me. Really? I started using power sheets before I joined Fizzle when I was still working at Groupon. And I had this voice inside my head that was like, oh man, there's got to be something different for me that's more aligned with what the kind of work I want to do. Yeah. And I started using these power sheets and I swear, I just started like, things just started bec- becoming more clear to me. Mm. So I use them now and I have it in front of me because February is ending this weekend. So I have to do my process for March. But So this is like a whole binder that I'm looking at. a whole binder, at, yeah. And it's 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 really cool and it has every it has every single month in it. Um, I think the six month sheet, the sheet set is loose and you can okay. put it in your own binder, but what it does each month, first of all, it has you debrief the month prior, okay. talk about what went well, what could have gone better and just kind of like take inventory of what happened, yeah. which is really rewarding. Like I'm looking at mine for February and I have, uh, our courses that we recorded yesterday. So yeah. I'm like, Oh man, I did that. And yeah. I, I did that one too. Um, and then you move on to the next month and you set monthly goals, weekly goals and daily goals. And it's all on one page. 
And it just really helps you like stay on track in terms of what you want to get done for the month yeah. and breaks it down into something that feels so much more manageable. And also there's some heavy lifting that you do in the beginning of the sheet set that has you think about what you want your whole year or whole six months to look like. Yeah. Then you break down your goals from there. Mm. So this has been instrumental for me. I love these power sheets. I think they sold out like around the new year. So I think a lot of people are getting a lot out of them. So for other people who like productivity type stuff, I wanted to share this because it's really just helped me get clear on what I can do every day, every week and every month to just get closer to the things that I really care about. These sheet sets, this process actually also has you look at other things. So yeah. I'm looking at it right now and there's a whole sheet called relationship tending. Mm. And it has you pick a few people that you want to like really strengthen a relationship with over the next month. And you jot down some ideas of what you can do with that person. Mm. And it also has a, a section for gratitude. So when you get to the end of the month, you can record best things that happened to me this month. So it's just so cool. And we talk about going through like your end of year review to yeah. have something like this that you've kept up throughout the year. It, I think it's just so rewarding to be able to look back and be like, oh man, I totally forgot those things happened. And just like, I don't know, have a, be a little bit more intentional about how time's actually passing. Yeah, that's awesome. I so love, I love it. Check it out if that sounds interesting to you. That's very cool. Okay, uh, Corbett, let's go back to you. What else you got, pal? Uh, you guys mind if I get geeky for a minute? Please do. do. It. Dude, talk geeky to me. All right. So uh, this week I have been working on a new development environment configuration which uh, I'm excited to share with you, Chase. It's going to be pretty exciting. Hope you're, hope you're excited. Uh, so for the developers out there, or for anybody who's like working on, um, you know, writing code or specifically for WordPress development, if you're creating themes, or even if you just have your own site, but you feel apprehensive about working directly in your production environment, um, mm. which can be fairly dangerous, uh, we have a setup where we actually, Chase and I, develop separately on our own local environments on our laptops, and then uh, we check that code in using Git, and then we push that up to a production server. Well, the environment that we use on our laptops is something called MAMP, M-A-M-P, which has been around for a long time. Um, it works pretty well, and mm. it allows you basically to mirror what you would use in a production environment on your local machine so that you have Apache and um, PHP and MySQL all running locally so that you can run WordPress. So one of the big hassles, though, about MAMP has been uh, when you have to reconfigure it. It can be kind of a pain in the arse, especially when you have uh, SSL configurations happening. And uh, I know that we've pulled our hair out several times whenever um, we have to redo our environment for some reason or if we get a new laptop yeah. or, or whatever. So there's a, uh, a new kid in town, maybe not that new for hardcores out there. They're probably, um, they probably know what I'm going to say already. Uh, mm. But for the past few years, there's been this thing that people are pretty excited about called Vagrant. And Vagrant basically allows oh, I have you one of those that lives on my steps every time from time to time. I have to shoo them off. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, Vagrant, in this case, allows you to create uh, development environments on your local box using configuration files, essentially so that you don't have to um, go through all the guesswork of configuring it manually every time you set it up with, uh, with MAMP. So with Vagrant, you can have... Um, virtual machines running an entire Linux box, essentially, that's living within your own local environment. Um, and Cue the music from Tron. And then one day, <laughs> I got in. 
And in order to it, basically the, the bottom line is in order for us to get our development um, box running in the future, all we're going to have to do is install Vagrant and then uh, type Vagrant up, which is the command which will bootstrap the whole thing. And uh, it all takes about five minutes instead of several hours or days um, which is what has been the norm for us in the past. Well, I'll be honest. I didn't know how geeky you were about to get, Corbett. You exceeded my expectations. <laughs> 10 out of 10. So, like, I'm, I'm about to shoo you off my porch. So, hold on. The, the, the two other cool things about this. Okay. Uh, we're also using, an, I'm using a tool called Ansible, which uh, if, if there's anybody out there listening who's geeking out about Ansible as well, write me. I'd love to chat about it. It's pretty cool. It's a configuration management tool. And in using these things together, what this means is there's going to be more consistency between our uh, development and our production environments, which means there's less likely to be issues when you push code from development to production that you weren't expecting. And this also paves the way for us improving our production architecture in the future so that we have um, more scalability and fault tolerance, which is uh, a project that we're going to be working on probably in the next quarter. So I'm pretty stoked I about it. I can't wait. It's, it's exciting. And this kind of stuff, like if you don't understand anything that Corbett just said, first of all, like you're one of the sane ones. <laughs> don't worry about it because what we're doing is we're developing a full application and like really hacking it together using a bunch of free tools or close to free tools. And so that means like, you know, we're, we have to deal with a lot of things very uniquely. Um, whereas if you're just like, I have WordPress, do I need to know about Ansible? It's like, no, you don't. Unless you're like trying to create a membership site or trying to do something crazy, like not just create a membership site, like roll your own version of membership software, basically. So for all those reasons, um, we have to kind of go deep on that stuff and bear and Corbett's the guy that, that goes down and do, does it, you know, he doesn't he talks, definitely not bear geeky to me, <laughs> not, not bear it, not no. bear it. Um, what else? What else? Barrett, you got something else? Oh man, I don't know if you guys read this uh, open letter to my CEO on mm. uh, Medium. You guys get to that one yet? No, no, I didn't. So it's by, is this, by a is woman this the Apple named uh, Talia Jane, no. who works for Eat Twenty Four, hmm. uh, which is a Yelp company, I guess. And she just basically goes off on the company about how she's poor. She doesn't make a living wage. Eighty percent of her income goes to rent in the Bay Area, and yada yada. And she has. Well, she's got a lot of support, but she's also gotten blasted by a lot of people on Medium and across the web. And mm. it's been a fascinating thing to see unfold because it's getting at this question of like, is a living wage necessary? You know, if you're a company operating in a city where it's extremely expensive to live, do you owe your employees anything? And all of these arguments that I think are really personal to people are coming up through this yeah. one girl's letter to her CEO. And it's been a fascinating thing. So anyways, it's called An Open Letter to My CEO by Talia Jane on Medium. And there are about f at least two other open letters back to her amongst uh. other publications so far. And so the gist of this is really thinking through what is sort of the min what should the minimum viable uh, you know paycheck we're, we're paying to people mm -hmm. be? Like, what are the considerations that employees have to think about when they, when they, you know, get a certain amount of money from a company or when they move to somewhere to be hired by a company or things like that? Is that what I'm hearing? Yep. And uh, she updated later in the day. I think the same day she published it and uh, she was fired. So that's kind of fun. 
So anyways, it's got a oh, lot man. of little uh, plot twists and turns, and we'll see what ends up happening to her. But wow. it's, it's, a, it's become this fascinating argument about living wages and entitlement of, of millennials and the Bay Area and startup culture and like all of these different facets that I think are all important conversations that people who care about society should be having. Yeah, 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 it's intense. Um, okay, let's, uh, Steph, what do you got? You got another one? I have, uh, are we at the part where we're going to talk about books? Can I do that? Yeah, talk okay. about a book. All right, I'm going to talk about a book. It's not a business book. Yeah. I'm just going to put that out there. Yeah. But it was funny because Chase and I were in the car and I was like, I don't know if I can come up with anything that doesn't have to do with becoming a parent soon. <laughs> <laughs> so as a lot of people who listen know, I, my husband, John and I are expecting a baby girl at the beginning of May. So that's kind of starting to um, consume the parts of my brain that are not dedicated to working on fizzle. Um, But there's one book that I would really love to recommend, not only for moms to be, but also for dads to be too. It's a great book uh, if you're at this stage in your life and you haven't been through this before. It's called Expecting Better Mm. by Emily Oster. And Emily Oster is a she is a professor of economics here in Chicago. She I think she's at the University of Chicago. And she decided to write this book because uh, when you get pregnant and you start seeing the doctor, the doctor tells you all these things that you can't do. Mm. And she was kind of like, well, this is weird. Like, why? Like, what's the research behind this? Because she's an economics person. So she wrote this book where she basically just unearthed all of the research behind all of the things that you're told during this journey, all the things that happen throughout the entire process. She shows the research and her objective in the book is to help present all the research that exists so that you as an expecting parent can make the decision that you're comfortable with. Yeah. It's really cool. And it's just very well done. Um, It was something that I read pretty early in my pregnancy and it really shaped how I went about this whole thing. So I wanted to put that one out there because it's been a really helpful resource for me. Nice. Very cool. Um, I'll go next. I have a documentary. Big surprise, right? Big surprise. But this documentary is really cool. You might have heard about the artist Wayne White. Um, he takes old, one of the things that he does is he takes old thrift store paintings that he finds and paints like weird word things happening in, in, in the painting. And they're act, he's actually phenomenally talented, really good. He was a part of, of the original Pee Wee's Playhouse, um, like puppeteers and like art, art people. There was like these three sort of crazy art people who did all the art direction and, and, and creation for, for that show. And um, there's a documentary about Wayne White, the artist, that's called Beauty is Embarrassing. I'm going to put a link to it in the show notes because I think you, if you are at all any, any, in any way a creative person, I just think it's a, it's a great exploration of what it looks like to have a career, to go through the ups and downs of commercial success, personal success, like private satisfaction with your work versus public popularity with your work. You know, the question of like, how do you stay grounded in a world built for whatever popularity and success and, and, and all that stuff. I was talking with Steph's earlier Steph's I was talking with all the Steph's earlier. And I, there's this deep, um, there's this deep discipline right now that I feel I have to, uh, I have to embrace about feeling satisfied in my work because listen, if I was at a company, if I was doing what basically my culture told me to do, there would be promotions. There would be, um, uh, getting getting raises. There would be awards given to me. There would be all sorts of things that are built in, showing and telling me from an outside perspective in, you're doing it right. You're doing a great job. Here's some, uh, whatever, here's a gold star by your name. All these things that, that, are, that are so easy to be motivated by. Um, and when you work for yourself, 
what do you get? Like blog comments, <laughs> like dollars in the bank, mm-hmm. like who knows what you're not getting any promotions or you don't know if you're doing it right. Right. Unless like Steph brought up episode 140, defining your own success. How do you know when you're doing it right? And you can create your own rules to that. When I feel creatively fulfilled, when I'm working with people I care about, when I'm doing something that is important to me, whatever, all this sort of stuff. And I feel like this documentary on Wayne White is a great exploration of that. And it's made by indie filmmakers and it only costs $5 to buy. So I want to support these guys. I would love for everybody to go buy this this movie called Beauty is Embarrassing. I think it's killer. Uh, I think it's it's hilarious. It's funny as it's super funny because he's hilarious. Um, but uh, anyways, that's that's uh, that's my that's one documentary. I have another I can go into, but I'll save it for now. <laughs> <laughs> I love the little cliffhangers. You're good. You're a good storyteller, Chase. It's yeah. real good. You keep yeah, people interested. That's, that's right, Corbett. What you got? Some other stuff? Yeah, uh, something that you brought up today that I looked into a bit. Uh, it's called Stripe Atlas. So yeah. Stripe is a company that we use to process credit cards. It is, um, it's great. We love them. And most startups these days are using Stripe, I believe. Um, it's certainly one of the, the top two choices probably in that space. And they just announced something today called Atlas, which really is aimed at helping people who are outside of the U.S., incorporate a company inside the U.S. and set up a U.S. bank account. So it's a, um, a process that you'll basically apply to. They'll collect information from you, and then they will uh, set up a company for you, get your employer identification number, set up a U.S. bank account, and basically get you in a position to start accepting payments via Stripe or, or whatever you choose. Um, this just rolled out today. It is... Uh, over at the Stripe homepage, we'll include a link to it. I don't know much of the details because nobody's actually gone through the program as far as I know. It's going to be free for the first 100 companies that go through it. And then during the beta period, I guess it's going to be $500. And it should take just a couple of weeks to get your company and your bank account and all that kind of stuff. There's no need to visit anybody in person. And um, people are pretty excited about this. We'll kind of wait and see um, how much time and effort this actually saves. But I can imagine that if you were trying to do this and you were outside of the U.S. somewhere, um, and, and by the way, this is open to anyone outside of the U.S. Um, you don't have to be in any particular country. You don't have to be a U.S. citizen. And uh, it'll just basically help you incorporate a United States business. And um, we'll wait and see how much time and effort this actually saves. But I can imagine it, it will be significant because 500 bucks and uh, a week or two to wait is probably a lot less than you would take trying to do this on your own. Yeah, I saw a tweet from Pat. my whole Twitter stream was was just going nuts with this thing from Chris Saka to Andy Bio to and then Patrick McKenzie also was talking about like cuz he lives in Japan. He's like I remember like midnight calls my time back to Delaware trying to like work through this thing because I wasn't present or something like that. Um and uh, and so to him it was a very big deal. The the idea that I the story that I heard was just this this sense that like there's a groundswell of international like like you know internet superpower based companies that could start up if they could legally start up you know 
So it's it's a it sounds like you're you're right, Corbett, that it probably could be a really big deal because I think it's really really hard to do that stuff right now. Start up and and get incorporated or do whatever you need to do to to set up. They also have like lawyers. It sounds like like access to lawyers and a handful of other things that that you could do through their system. So it sounds like a real big win for indie entrepreneurs. I don't know what the uh, what the impact is on you know American companies. I don't know if even you can use this as uh, being in the United States. I'm sh- I bet you probably can, but um, it sounds like they're kind of aiming it at the international market. Wouldn't you say, Corbett? Yeah, I think they are. It's it, And it's hard to say. It doesn't really um, explain if this is meant for entrepreneurs inside the U.S., but but that's also significant as well to be able to incorporate a business um, inside the U.S. on your own. is certainly yeah. kind of a pain in the, in the rear end and probably costs more than $500. So... Yeah, I, I, you said it, pal. <laughs> you said it. That's that's what you said. I was just clarifying that that's the thing that you said. I, I think I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else, Barrett? You got another thing? I do have another thing. Gosh, this uh, is great. We've got a lot, guys. We're coming down to like uh, rapid fire here. Since the last time we talked, I feel like I'm. Uh, these are all like societal issues. So sorry for that. But anyways, Paul Graham. Uh, penned an essay on inequality was the title of it called inequality and it was all about income inequality and the role that silicon valley and startups play in driving silicon or uh, income inequality and it was interesting to read his perspective i think i respect him for even putting it out there to begin with because it's such a touchy subject and it was something that he was bound to get skewered for no matter how it came out but he definitely had some flaws in his argument i think and tim o'reilly wrote a response on medium um, like kind of a long form response, dissecting some of the arguments he made and kind of calling him out for taking it too hard on startups in some areas. And then also calling him out for not being sensitive enough or not really thinking through some of the challenges around income inequality in the U S and other areas. And I just thought it was a really intelligent, respectful exchange between the two of them, which wasn't true of all of the response articles to Paul Graham's no. essay, but I thought that it was valuable to read the original and then go in and read Tim O'Reilly's response and see that there's a way to have discourse around issues that doesn't demean the other person or that doesn't just call them a terrible, inhuman, you know, inconsiderate human being, but that, you know, sometimes people disagree and sometimes it takes writing and expressing things and discussion and discourse to be able to really understand an issue. And I thought this was a really good example of it. That's fascinating. I'm glad I haven't, I haven't read the Tim O'Reilly response to it. Tim, both of those guys to me are titans of, of, thinking about business Mm -hmm. like i've always always really admired paul graham and he is very like uh you know he has almost like an uh like i don't know an asperger's way of looking at things cut and dry very simple very black and white but very smart very intelligent um uh his essays are always challenging and tim o'reilly on the other hand is is to me very like sensitive uh just creative artistic interesting in the progression of of humanity you know what i mean and of culture and so i respect him for all of those reasons and he built o'reilly publishing and both of those guys are have been on my radar for a while so i've got to read the uh i gotta read both of those now there you go good find bro gfb steph you got anything else to share i got one more and it'll be a quick one um this kind of it's inspired by another sort of sort of socially issue, but an article that I liked recently. This one is from Laura Roeder and Laura Roeder is, uh, she has a company called Edgar. She knows a lot about social media. She wrote this article uh, called I'm a woman in tech, but 
even I didn't get it until this week. This is a really good short read. Uh, it's very interesting. She talks about this uh, interview that she and her company were conducting with this candidate who had been acing the interview process the entire time. They brought him in because they weren't sure if he was a culture fit and would be a good fit for the team. And unfortunately, during the interview process, this person made a lot of inappropriate jokes that are the kind of jokes that women are sort of used to hearing. Yeah. But uh, in this case, the women were the ones making the hiring decision. So they decided to not hire him. And it's just a really thoughtful read. Uh, this one quote from it that I really like. She says, homogenous teams create a vicious cycle of homogeneity. Is that the, how, the way you say that? Homogeneity. Homogeneity. Homogene homogeneity. Mm -hmm. Man, I couldn't even nail that one. Yeah, that was a hard one. Sentence. But I love the way that she is examining this idea that, you know, it's really interesting that you you might not realize just how same your team is yeah. until you're in a situation where you bring someone in and um, and they challenge it in this mm. way. So it's just a really good article about examining those things. Yeah. So it was a good one. Man, that's awesome. Um, anything else to add? Anybody have anything else? What do we got? No, there's there's so much. I, I'm not gonna. I don't even have anything else. This is crazy. Okay, both Can of you, you guys pick one one more, and, and we'll make it quick because I think this is really. There's already a lot for people to dig into, but uh, I think I I'm desperate to hear what you have to say next. I'm just gonna say as soon as the Tesla Model Three comes out, I'm gonna be on a mission to buy one, and it looks like it's it's on pace for being released sometime relatively soon over the next year. Eight. That's not the SUV. Like that. That's that's no. the cheaper one. That's the like. It's theoretically consumer grade car, thirty five uh, grand yeah. about starts at thirty five grand, and if you believe that, then the Tesla Model S <laughs> supposedly started at seventy five grand, but nobody buys one for less than a hundred, so you know it won't really be that yeah. affordable, but it'll be closer. Yeah, if you want tires, it's going to cost a little more. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, and Corbett, uh, something that we haven't had a good chance to talk about in depth which we should at some point, but obviously now we don't have enough time. But uh, Chris Gillibo wrote a blog post a couple of weeks ago called The New mm. New Economy, talking about how things have changed since he got started. And uh, there's a lot of really interesting points in there, a lot of stuff that I agree with and some things that I don't. So we should save that one for conversation sometime. Okay, we'll save it. We'll save it. And I'll save my extra documentary uh, for later. Actually, no, no, I'll just add it and I'll just say a quick bit. Yodorowsky's Dune. Corbett, did I give you this one? I haven't watched it yet. Okay, but you haven't watched it yet. Yodorowsky's Dune starts with a J, actually. Jodorowsky. Yodorowsky's Dune is the best movie ever made about a movie that never got made. <laughs> um, and uh, Barrett, you watched it with me, right? Did, yep. You watched, yeah, you were there for some of it. Did you like it? Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, so it's about... It's definitely more your speed than my speed, so <laughs> listeners will take that. It does well. have those knobby tires, but it, it's for, built for off-roading. The, um, the, 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 the conceit of this movie is um, there was a, a, a filmmaker uh, from... I think he was actually from Mexico, and he was like an art house filmmaker, and he, and he made a handful of like movies that were getting a little bit more popular and more popular, and then he got a deal to make any movie he wanted, and he's like, I want to make Dune... And Dune, the book that I had just finished reading uh, recently, is just one of the literally the best sci-fi you know fiction books that I've ever read. And huge story. Turns out this guy can like put together this massive team to build this make this movie. Mick Jagger, all of Pink Floyd, all of a band called Magma, two of like the greatest comic book and and like painting artists of the time for like sci-fi book covers and and comic book stuff. Moebius, it's it's so good. Like the people that he put together, he got um 
He got Salvador Dali to be an actor in his movie. He got um, uh, uh, Citizen Kane. Corbett, help me out. Is uh, uh, who's the real big dude? He got real big as he got. He's, he's basically a father, one of the fathers of film. Anyway, someone's out there just screaming at the radio. Um, Orson, the, Orson Welles. Not, Orson Welles. <laughs> he got Orson Welles like out of retirement to to play one of the bad guys in this film by saying like. Do you like the food here? I'll have the chef cook every day for you on set. And he's like, I'm in. <laughs> it was a fa- it's a fascinating movie, a, a, a documentary about him making this movie, and it never got made. And it is, and it and it influenced literally everything that came after it. One of its great, one of the greatest movies ever influenced by this, Star Wars. Uh, arguably, one of the one of the sort of film critics argues that like I don't think Star Wars got made the way it did if Yodorowsky didn't do what he did putting together, cause he put together this huge book about the movie and that went out to every, every uh, big studio. Anyways, all that to say, it's an amazing movie to me about the creative process, about, about living as a creative, about, uh, li- about like being passionate about a project, con- putting a team together and the pain of just moving on. You know, he went on, uh, this, the filmmaker's name is Jodorowsky, and he went on and did a bunch of other cool stuff afterwards. So, um, fascinating story, a couple really powerful moments in it, and I love that documentary. I'll put a trailer for that one in the show notes, which is super good. I think we did it, guys. I think we did. Ooh. You feel good about this, guys? Yeah, I feel like uh, we need to at the beginning of this episode insert a little thing that tells people how to go find all of these links yeah so they're not going crazy trying to write them down yeah mm-hmm. I, I maybe i'll do just that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um i have been chase warman reeves i've been corbett Barr. you know guys we have not been using uh, bully pulpit uh, very well lately you know what i mean whoa <laughs> look who's look who's going for it <laughs> i've been buried out <laughs> i've been steph crowder and we'll see you there or we'll, we'll see, see you on another So there you have it. Uh, Show notes are going to be important for this one. You're going to find those at fizzleshow.co slash 151. Every single link we mentioned in this episode, including the power sheets, the Chris Gilbo article about the new, new economy, and the trailer for Yodorowsky's Dune, all at fizzleshow.co slash 151. Here's an iTunes rating from It's Amy1968 in the U.S. of A. I just found your podcast a few days ago. I've decided to go back from the beginning so I can grow along with you. I hope you remember this. In episode 002, when Niche Please came up in conversation, I will never forget it. Laughed so hard, it made coffee come out of my nose. You're the perfect blend of business and comedy, and I stay entertained and engaged. Aw, thank you so much. It's Amy1968. It's Chase1982. And I just wanted to say, your review made me so happy. You know, our goal here is to help you make progress on your business every single week. If you leave us an iTunes review, it can help other entrepreneurs find this show. So, dear listener, if you haven't yet, could you please leave us an iTunes review? Simply search for the show in the iTunes store and click Write a Review. Okay, that's it for this episode. May you have a roof for the rain and walls for the wind. And may you find something solid to put your foot on as you take the next step. Find care, take care, 
serve hard, and dig in. Thanks, and I'll talk to you next Fizzle Friday. <laughs>